Good morning. Once again, it is Friday, April 3rd, and this is Community Pulse, KOPN's grassroots report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. On today's edition of Community Pulse, we'll be discussing the impact of the pandemic on our rural areas, and joining me by phone is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs here on KOPN every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And also joining us by phone is guest Eli Bonert down in Cape Girardeau, a college student interested in uh, in public health and policy. Good morning, Eli and Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. And uh, welcome, Eli. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. So just starting with numbers, although honestly, the numbers are starting to feel like my brain can't hold them anymore. So we've got over a million worldwide cases documented. Uh, However, there are some really smart mathematician types who are doing modeling and believe that there may be one to 10 million cases just in Europe. So um, anyway, the the numbers are way higher than that. 55,000 confirmed deaths, uh, 212,000 recovered. In the United States, we have uh, 250,000. And in Europe, they still have 536,000. So we're, you know, as a country, we have, we are the epicenter, but Europe is still also uh, an epicenter. And in um, Missouri, my my data is as of 9.40 p.m. last night, uh, nearly 2,000 cases, 1,956 cases, 28 deaths, which is, I think, an increase from t- of two from yesterday, no, four from yesterday. Um, and two new counties are reporting positive cases. Uh, 67% of Missouri counties have at least one confirmed positive case, and I think that we should just presume that all the rest of them do, and they just don't know it yet. Um, and in Boone County, our numbers were stable for a little while, but we're now up to 69 cases and still just one death. So um, we are just on the beginning of the, the steep slope of the curve here. The, the coronavirus is lapping our shores. And the other thing that I just want to mention is that this is the, I think, tomorrow or today, or the first day to apply for uh Uh, assistance under the CARE or PPP plan. So this is a COVID uh, virus relief plan that the federal government passed last week. Um, They really want that money to get into the economy right away. So if you own a small business, if you are self-employed, if you have paid yourself, your family or employees money, and you're a U.S. citizen or a legal U.S. resident, then you um, are likely to be able to um, borrow money from the federal government, most of which is likely to be forgiven. Um, and so this is the day to like investigate that, talk to your banker. You need to go through an SBA certified bank. But please do not delay because you may miss out on getting this money. So this is separate from the money that's going to go to each individual person. This is for employers and business um, owners. And I just want to remind you that if you only paid yourself, you still have payroll costs. And those are what is the baseline for calculating whether you can borrow the money. Right. And today's the day to this. get on that. I've been looking into yeah. this as well. And, and the rules and regulations can seem a little bit complicated, but it's going to be worth our while to, to yeah. slog Call through banker. it and apply. And yeah, your bank will surely help you out on that. So right. And if you don't have one, get one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just to get right into it. Oh, the other thing I want to say is there are uh, people who are kindly calling in questions or 
emailing them. And um, honestly, we're trying to cover everything. So we've decided that we will do that once a week on Mondays. So if you sent in a question, um, if you need a specific question of um, medical urgency, then you should call your primary care provider or an urgent care center. If you want information about how to stay healthy, then your health department is your best guide. And um, if you want us to answer your question, then you'll need to your best be patient to wait until Monday. So then let's get right into it. Eli, you are working in rural Amer- rural Missouri, and you are hearing and seeing things that are probably different than what we're hearing in Boone County. Yeah, so I'm actually down in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So before I get into what I'm seeing on the ground, I'm just going to go over the numbers of what it looks like here in the county. So in Cape Girardeau County, we have a total of 15 cases right now. Three of those cases have recovered Seven of them have been travel-related, four of them are from direct contact, and four of them, it's unknown how the person was infected so far. So we're so in a community spread, about, likely. Community spread, yes, yes. So we're a county of about 78,000 people, so I'm sure we have many more cases, but this testing has been limited in the area, and there's a lack of knowledge around the disease so far, so a lot of people, I think, aren't taking it seriously enough yet. In terms of legislation we have in place, we don't have any type of um, emergency declarations or shelter in place at more than the state level. So anything the state has, we have, obviously, but we have nothing at the local level telling people to limit going outside. I mean, we have recommendations. We finally just closed some of our parks yesterday, but local leadership has yet to say that People need to stay home. We don't have a curfew or any of those type of things yet. And what? How does that end up looking? You know, here in Columbia, the mall parking lots empty. The grocery stores are, you know, their parking lots are about half full. Um, uh, restaurants are closed or doing just curbside and delivery. Um, what is it looking like there? So I think this week was really when I saw a lot of change in the community about how people were going out and their behaviors because I think last week it was still pretty much life as usual for most people in the way that they shopped and the way that they dined. But I've been really thankful to see a lot of restaurants and businesses in the community close the insides of their businesses. So you can still go through drive-thrus of all restaurants, mostly a lot of restaurants have opened drive-thrus that they didn't have before to accommodate the changes that we're seeing now. But I still see very full grocery store parking lots. People are not practicing social distancing in stores. I mean, when I was in line for getting groceries yesterday, just heading home from work, someone was standing right behind me and acting like there was nothing that was wrong with that, even though they have installed um, stickers on the ground saying, please stand six feet apart and having little spots or X's on the ground so you know where to stand. So I think we're beginning to see signage out there telling people, please follow these procedures, do these things to protect yourself. But I think there's still a lack of people wanting to follow it because they just haven't taken it seriously enough yet since we haven't seen the large numbers here that we have in different urban areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what what do you hear people saying? It really depends on who you ask. So, I actually work in a business that is essential, so I'm still working mostly five five days every week, so I'm still out there interacting with people. And the people that I work with, we're all very concerned about the spread of the virus because, you know, we all have families. Some of us have kids. So, you know, going home and possibly taking the disease back with us is a real concern that we have. 
because, you know, we understand that we provide an essential service and that we need to be out there giving, doing our job. But at the same time, when we see people unnecessarily making visits to where we work, it kind of, it disappoints us because, you know, just because we're an essential business doesn't mean that what you need to do is essential. I mean, a lot of the things people are doing right now are not essential trips that they should be avoiding until a later time. Yeah, um, I think that that's a really important point, Eli, that many of us presume that if a business is um, still open, it must be essential and anything that you want to do in that business is is legit. Um, I uh, have a, a friend on, on social media who works in a pet store, and I guess the pet stores are still selling pets. Um, and I'm, I think getting a new pet's a great thing, and there are many people who are um, encouraging us to foster animals at this time, but um, going into a pet store and spending the time it takes to thoughtfully choose a pet is probably not um, an essential activity. Yeah, I, I can understand why a pet store would be open for the food possibly, but, you know, going out there trying to pick a new pet and all that, I just, I just feel so many people aren't taking this seriously yet because they haven't personally been affected or someone they know hasn't been affected by it. And I think by the time that people take it seriously, given that kind of criteria, it's going to be too late for them to have really protected themselves because they'll probably been exposed already. Right. So talk about that from, because uh, you have an interest in public health. And so talk about what it's like to have that public health perspective and sort of the comparison between what's in your brain about public health and what you're seeing people do. So I think just the way that I've been perceiving what's going on, you know, I was a few, I was been, I've been concerned about this for a few weeks. You know, you know, I started taking precautionary measures at work a few weeks ago just because I knew it was going to come. But at that point, no one was really paying attention to it unless you were in the public health field. So I felt a little ahead of the curve with that. You know, I felt a little out of place sometimes with the measures I was taking. But I think now everyone's beginning to understand that, you know, these are necessary things that we do. You know, I see a lot more people wearing masks in public now. I see people wearing gloves. I see people washing their hands a lot more, using hand sanitizer after they touch something. So I do think people are beginning to come around and take some precautionary measures. But I think these are measures that needed to be taken a few weeks ago and not suddenly now when people are beginning to wake up to what's happening around them. Right. Because um, one of the things that we know is it takes about um, somewhere between two and 10 days to from the time of exposure to the time you actually are sick and have symptoms and can shed the virus. We're not sure exactly the time of all that. So if anybody speaks authoritatively about that, they're probably mistaken. Um, and then it takes another week or two for people to get another week or so for people to get sick enough to be hospitalized. And as far as I know, we are not tracking hospital admissions for COVID in, in the United States anywhere in a reliable way. And so then what we're going to look is it takes another two to three weeks, another week to three weeks for people to die from it. So our death rate increases are reflective of what we did as far as social distancing two to three weeks ago. So, um, uh, you know, we've been in, um, help me, Tim, uh, when, when did we shut things down? On a Wednesday? Was it a week ago? Just uh, eight days ago? Nine days ago? Oh, something like that. I'm not sure off the it top wasn't of my head. A, 
Yeah, it wasn't. I know it's happened on a Wednesday, and it wasn't over. A, it wasn't over two weeks ago. It was just over a week right. ago. And you're talking about the sh- the stay at home order for Boone County, right? From Boone County, yes. Thank you for I think, clarifying that. I think that. that was issued on the 25th of last week. Hey, thanks. So, um, so we would expect that that might have an impact on documented cases. And so, the fact that we were stable for two days and then we just had an increase of three cases, maybe. We're seeing some benefit from that, but um, we don't know. Um, and since our deaths before that was only one, it's going to be hard to statistically see that that has an effect. Um, so, uh, and the truth is that in in central Missouri here, we have these large uh, referral hospitals, um, and most of the surrounding counties no longer have hospitals, or if they do, they don't have intensive care. So uh, any COVID cases that get very sick at all are going to come into our county from outlying counties, most of whom have not implemented any stay-at-home orders. And I think that's one place where Cape Girardeau is at uh, a good situation because we have two major medical centers here. So I think we'll, ha- we'll have uh, the ability to treat a lot of patients. But the issue with that is that all the surrounding counties, uh, minus one or two of them, do not have hospitals anymore because of recent closures. So I think we're going to see a lot of patients from the rural counties in our areas having to come in here when the beds would probably only be enough for the patients within the county itself. So I think that's going to pose a problem down the road because when I'm looking at the stay-at-home orders that have been issued in the state of Missouri, only two of the counties in our area have a stay-at-home order. So it's there's not very many areas taking it seriously at this point enough that it's going to flatten the curve, I think. Right. Yeah. So this is the um, – I spent um, – a good uh, probably 10, 15 minutes this morning interacting um, uh, electronically with a person I know well who lives in rural Missouri and um, clearly still um, struggling with the um, it's probably not that big of a deal. Isn't just going to be like the common cold um, uh, because I have stated publicly that I'm terrified. Um, uh, this person was concerned about my spiritual well-being and felt that um, evangelism was what I needed. And um, so I uh, was engaging with her in conversation about um, what it would take for her to um, listen to public health guidance. And um, I think she's, you know, quite some time, some some space away from that. And I think that, you know, people are saying the the, you know, like this is really just being overblown and shouldn't we worry about other other things that are killing people and i'm wondering eli how you're handling those kinds of comments when you hear them you know i i have heard those kinds of comments a lot recently you know people keep saying oh it's just like the common flu you know you're going to catch it and then you'll get over it and be okay but i think we know from what this what we know from seeing it in the united states the past weeks now that it's nothing like that. You know, it's very different in how it's going to affect us. And, you know, whenever people have said those kind of things, I'm like, well, it's not really like that. You know, I can understand why you would say it's similar, but, you know, it spreads differently. It's going to hurt people a lot differently and it's going to cause more serious issues. And the thing, the big difference between for me is that, you know, we know what the flu is like, you know, there's different strands every year, yes, but we have an idea of how to care for people 
that gets deployed when it doesn't go to overwhelm our hospitals in the same way. So, you know, it's it's a very different situation. You know, it's, it's we don't have a playbook for how to deal with COVID nineteen. We have a form of a playbook to deal with the flu. So it's you know there's a whole new issue that we have to deal with now. So I think this this we really just work on dispelling the notion that it's similar to that because it's not. And when people go around saying those kinds of things, people around them start believing it. And that's something that I saw a lot last week when I was just interacting with the general public. People saying, "Oh, this is all going to be overblown. There's no reason to be taking all these measures." But I think now people are beginning to understand that when they're seeing what's happening in places like New York City, that, you know, it could look something like that here probably in May or so. Right, right. Eli, is there anything else that you uh, feel like we ought to hear about or any perspectives that you were hoping that I would ask you about that I haven't thought to ask you? I think that's really, you know, just encouraging everyone to stay at home for everything that is not essential, you know, making sure they utilize resources, having things delivered to their houses if they can, just making sure they avoid contact with other people unnecessarily. You know, if you want to go outside, you want to run, go to the park or something, just do it where there's no one else around, you know, crowding into big parks where other people are is not what we're supposed to be doing right now. Right, exactly. Um, Tim, is there anything that you feel like we need to be need to cover? I think that's it for today. I do want to remind our listeners that uh, if you do have questions uh, that you'd like us to address on our program, we will be answering those every Monday. And the number to call to leave a question and to ask a question is 573-874-1139. You can leave that question as a message on our office answering machine, or you can email that to me at gm at kopn.org. We love to hear from you, and and a part of why we're doing this is to interact with with our community on this important issue. So, again, that number is 573-874-1139. Um, and I do want to thank you, Eli Bonert, uh, for joining us. Eli is down in Cape Girardeau, a college student interested in public health. Um, we really appreciate you calling in today. Thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Tim, and thank you for listening. Yes. All right, that's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Uh, Once again, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, we'll be answering those on Monday. That number to call is 573-874-1139. I also want to remind you to stay tuned. Coming up at 10 a.m. here on KOPN is Speaking of the Arts, Mid-Missouri's only comprehensive weekly arts program with host Diana Moxon. This week, Diana will be checking in with a number of arts organizations in Columbia, so we'll be hearing about the films that are available online at ragtagcinema.org. We'll be learning the building blocks of improv, going behind the scenes of the new contemporary Cuban art exhibit, opening this Friday at Sager Broadus Gallery, and we'll find out which new book is flying off the shelves this week at Skylark Bookshop. All of this and more can be heard today at 10 a.m., on KOPN Columbia that's Speaking of the Arts with Diana Moxon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate your attention and your listening. Please be safe, be well, and we will see you next Monday here at 9 a.m. for Community Pulse.